Welcome to Fitness in the Word with Benjamin Kasanja. So, due copy is a phrase used in military and other important radio communications and comes from the fact that the recipient would write a copy of the message so that it could be carried to and read by the superior officer. That's what they would do. I know many of you have watched movies and you've had, you copy, copy that, you copy, you know. And nowadays they don't write, but it was, that was the origin. Because they used to write. You're told something, you write, you run and take it to your commander. So you copyright. Hallelujah. And which other one is used by the military? Roger that. You got it right. You copy, question mark. Roger that. I love the military. Roger that is a phrase used to affirm or acknowledge a statement or question. Also used in the military. Uh, began a lot in the U.S. military from around the 1940s. I think 41 around that time. And uh, later, NATO, the, the, they are, the, the, the word or the code for word for R is Romeo. But it could not replace Roger. Roger was for R for, for the U.S. military at that time. So if, if you've heard, you, you hear them say, Romeo, Echo, Charlie, you know, Echo for E, Charlie for C, Zulu for Z, Z. Many times when we think about the military, we think about the machine guns that they have, the weapons that they have, and we think that those are the most important things. You can have all, you can have the most powerful machines, but if there is a breakdown in communication, you're not going to have that cohesion. You're not going to have that harmony. And you can lose a battle because of a breakdown in communication. Uh, many of you have heard of somebody called Ariel Sharon. Who has heard of Ariel Sharon? He's, he was prime minister for Israel uh, way before Netanyahu. Before. Yeah, Ariel Sharon. But he came to prominence as a military commander, an army guy. There is a time Israel was attacked by Syria, Egypt at the same time, way back, if you read about him. And I was told that his tactics up to today are taught in most of the world's military academies, that they teach Ariel Sharon's tactics. And during that time, Israel was outnumbered. You know, these are three countries were attacking. They had... They are saying Egypt alone had, is it how many? They had over 4,000 tanks. Israel in total had about 400. Syria had its own. Like it was, they were almost, it was almost decided that Israel was going to lose this. They should surrender. But he did something that was not on their communication radar. That is when paratroopers came into, you know, became prominent. It was from that battle. He managed to get the few Israeli paratroopers that they had and take them behind the enemy and attack. He says the enemy is advancing into Israel. Take these guys, throw them from the planes, and they attack from behind. And that's how they kept capturing weapons, capturing, and they won a battle that no one thought that they were going to win. Why? Because of communication. Egypt, Syria, I don't remember the other countries. Is it Palestine or what? I don't remember. 
they had no clue of what Israel was doing. Israel had spies in some of these militaries. And like they've always had. That is why you see that many of these armies will have a spy in the enemy. You know, you find that it would not be surprising that the Kenyan military intelligence has people on Al-Shabaab. You get what I mean? Because that communication is very key if you're going to win a battle. That communication is very key. You can have the best, the best of the best, but communication. How have we been hit in this nation by terrorists or by Al-Shabaab, Dusit, Westgate? How? Communication. They didn't come with more equipment than the Kenyan army has. They just noticed a break in communication. We are a team with God. We are teaming up with God. Just like the military, we are a team with God. And to enjoy our relationship and assert our conquest, because Jesus already conquered for us 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago. Hearing the voice of God is going to be very key. Praise the Lord. If we are going to enjoy this relationship, just like the soldiers in what, a platoon, uh, army, they enjoy their relationship, chain of command, information flows very well because of good communication. If we are to enjoy our relationship with God, hearing his voice is going to be very key for us as believers. Any relationship starts with communication, even marriage. One of the topics really emphasized here when we are doing premarital counseling is communication. Communication is very key. And once communication is sorted, many things can be worked on. There are many things that uh, break down in a marriage, but it is because there is no good communication about those very things. If there was communication, it would be a beginning point to settle those things. Hallelujah. Relationship with your boss, with your family, with your siblings, parents, whatever it is, you find a family that is so strong, you're going to realize that they are very good at communicating. You're going to find that there is just communication. People open up. People say how they feel. People say, I was not happy when you did this. And you'll find another family where we don't go into those zones. And you find that it becomes toxic. Something about church. So you find about church where people don't laugh. People don't. Every time people come back from church, they reach home and their spouses say, Pole, Pole. Pole, Pole. Because <laughs> see, they are. They are. They are, they are they say, Pole, Sana. <laughs> see? There should be good communication even in our church. We sh it's a place where we should love each other. It's a place where there should be harmony. The power of God has nothing to do with gloominess. And, you know, many people say, you know, we prophets are hard to understand. No, just work on your character, your ugly, your ugly thing. It's not, Jesus was the best prophet that there was. So, the main difference between you and an unbeliever is that you have a relationship with God. That is the main difference. Everyone out there believes in God. Even demons, the Bible tells us, they believe. They even shudder. They even shake. They, they have reverence. So when, you, when we start preaching, you see, 
uh, yesterday, people were preaching evangelizing. Thursday, we tried to win souls. But you see, how many people do we get to when they say, I know God, I pray every morning. You, you know, the, everyone knows God somehow. Uh, yeah, it is personal. There is, there is one I asked, where do you go to church? And he told me, I pray to God every day. And I'm like, me too. You know what I mean? My question was, where do you go to church? It was not, do you pray to God every day? Where do you go to church? So everyone somehow knows God. Everyone somehow talks about God. But the privilege that we have is that we have a relationship with Him. And the basis of relationship is communication. We have a relationship with Him. And like in any relationship, He desires to speak to us and for us to speak to Him. To hear us and for us to hear Him is very key. Here in John chapter 10 verse 3 on the screen, To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. He calls his own sheep by name. Why? Because they hear him, and he leadeth them out. The Bible did not say, My sheep read my book. God's voice is not limited to the book. I've given this example before. Imagine if 2016, 30th July, we were getting married, and after we said our vows, I told my wife, here is an encyclopedia about me. You get what I mean? Oh, babe, what will you take for breakfast? <laughs> refer to the book, refer to the book. Did you feel like dancing today or eating cake? Refer to the book, refer to the book. How many children should we have? Refer to the book. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? But isn't that what we believe that God does? That he spoke to Abraham, spoke to Gideon, spoke to all these guys while the publisher was still working on the book. Immediately the publisher said, it is done. Give them the book. That's how Christians act. Praise the Lord. The word of God, the written word of God is the basis for his communication. God will not speak contrary to his word, his written word. It is very key, very important. But he says, my sheep hear my voice. He speaks to his sheep in a relationship a relationship is not normally is not normally scripted yeah i know melancholy friends and choleric friends there is somebody who i used to tell she was very choleric and what she used to be like this is what we agree to do why does that lady do this why and i used to tell her relax life is not on a script life is not a movie you know because sometimes especially when we are melancholy and you know, we think that everything must go the way we planned it. But you see, there is no good relationship that way. Every relationship has some spontaneity. You get what I mean? Yesterday, someone was asking me, yesterday there are some gifts I was buying for my wife. So someone was asking me, is today a hard day for gifting? Is today? And I'm like, no. I just feel like it's my day to gift her. You get what I mean? And when I get home, she's, she's like, babe, our anniversary is close. Are you? So I'm like, no, this is not anniversary. You, you, you get what I mean? Like, that is a relationship. That is, 
what we have with God. And you see that with God and his people. Just read right from the Old Testament. And these people could not communicate at the level we should because Jesus had not yet died to make them part of his flock. But look at the communication. Abraham is like, God, if there be 10, if there be 50, will you save the city? You know, then he, he goes back. He's like, okay, okay, you know, and God is waiting. God is not saying you're wasting my time. Why don't you just give one final number? I know you're going to go up to 10. Why don't you just go up to 10? <laughs> you know, you would think that that is what God would have said. But this is relationship. This is relationship. So in our relationship with God as we grow, we're going to realize that there are specifics. There are specifics. God spoke to us about taking this venue. You get what I mean? God spoke to us, take this venue. You can read in that whole Bible, there is no word Ngara. <laughs> there may be upper room, but there is no Ngara. <laughs> so God's voice is for this. God's voice, God's voice helps us in the details, even of life, of our relationship. As we go through, when, we go, when people go through premarital counseling, the basics are given. But you see, you can't take the premarital guide or manual and say, and always read, this is how I'm going to talk to my wife. You see, they said you start with this. They said you go with this. That is basis. You get what I mean? And when you realize that your communication is not good and what you can go back to that guy. And it is the basis also. The word of God is given to us as the basis. Jesus tells the Jews or Pharisees in John chapter 5, verse 39, Search ye the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me, that ye might have life. Jesus is telling them, you, you Bible readers, you theologians, you stick to the book, and you never come to me, you never listen to me. That very book is talking about me. And they missed him. They missed God before them. They crucified him when he was before. They read in their Bible, the Messiah shall come out of the root of Jesse from a small... They read and they crucified him. They said, you're not the one when he was there. So God is not limited. To, and then we'll see a man like John the Baptist is there baptizing and says, the one you see the Holy Spirit descend upon like a dove. He is the one. You get what I mean? John the Baptist, who was not a Pharisee, who was not a scholar like them, didn't miss him because of relationship. Because he could hear from God. It is so important for us as children of God to hear the voice of God. It is God's desire. I know there are, there are denominations whose persuasion is God does not speak anymore. And they normally go to... Uh, they normally go to, to it's 1 Corinthians 13 from 12. Why he's saying that when that which is perfect has come, you know, the imperfect shall be dealt away with. And they normally say that which is not perfect, that which is perfect, he was referring to the full Bible being canonized. During that time, they believed, during this time, they just had the Torah. The whole Bible had not yet come. They didn't have the New Testament. So they believed that the perfect coming is when now the Bible was canonized. We reached Revelation. So 
gifts which are in part and all this has now ceased. God is no longer going to speak to people like that. A book has finally come. And you see, if you sit down with some of these pastors from these denominations who think God does not speak anymore, God does not, you read the word. That's the only way God speaks. If you sit with them and ask them, do you believe your call to ministry? They will say yes. If you tell them, show me in the Bible, they will look at you. You get what I mean? Because they stand and they say, when God called me in ministry, I was 17 years of age, show me in the Bible. Show me your name. You get what I mean? That in 2000, this, I will call Apostle Dr. So-and-so. So by the mere fact that they have such claims, and yet come and say that God does not speak. You see, they contradict themselves already. Every child of God hears God. Even when they say God does not speak. Every child of God can hear God because how did you get born again? You see, you cannot get born again unless you heard him call you. Unless he spoke to you. He brought conviction to you. So for many Christians, you will hear them say things like, how can I learn to hear God? It is very easy because you already hear him. If you are a Christian, you've heard him already. And that is what we are going to learn in the rest of this. Uh, let's read verse 16 of the same chapter. To see how much emphasis he puts on his voice and his sheep hearing. And other sheep I have, which are not in this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold in one shepherd. He says, them must I bring and they shall hear my voice. He's very keen on that. His sheep hearing his voice. What was he talking about here? He was talking about the Gentiles who would be brought in. He was talking about the house of Israel because first he was sent to the Jews. He came to Israel. But he's saying other sheep, he has other sheep that are not of this fold. So he was talking about we, the Africans, the Asians, the Americans, the Britons, the Europeans. He, he was talking about all these Asians. And he's saying, a time will come where I'll bring them in. And they will hear my voice. Very key. Verse 27. 26 to 27. Let's start from 26. But ye believe not, because ye are not my sheep, as I said unto you. <laughs> Selling the Jews. You don't believe because you are not my sheep. You cannot decipher what I say. You can decode the language. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. These are just three places in the same chapter where he's talking about his sheep hearing his voice. Very important for you as a child of God. There is peace, joy, awesome relationship that you'll have with God if every day you're walking in a relationship where you can hear Him and you can talk to Him. He will guide you. There are many things that we have got to, many things that we have enjoyed, only because we heard the voice of God. We had specifics 
that God spoke to us as a ministry, as individuals, that there are things that we have had that God spoke to us and we've seen them come to pass. And it makes it worth it. You feel like you are in a relationship. God spoke this and it actually came to pass. God said this, even as a minister, I really enjoy, and you see that is one thing that I longed for even when I was very young before I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I longed for the reality of God. My parents are pastors up to today. That was not enough for me. It was not enough to go through the motions. I didn't want to just go to church so that the world says I'm a pious person, I live a pious life. That was not enough for me. I'm not a pretender. Even up to today, I'm not a pretender. So I'm not going to, to pretend to be happy. You've seen that. You know, I'm not one you just tell, be happy, clap. The bride is coming in. Ah. If your wedding is late, two hours we are there. It's going to be very hard for me to rejoice because the bride is coming. I'm thinking my time that has been wasted. Hallelujah. So I, I'm not a pretender. So I was not just going to pretend that, oh God, you're so powerful. And how? You know what I mean? Go for occasion. They say the power of God is here. It is about to fall. The power of God come for a very powerful occasion. I would go for the occasion and wait to see that power of God. And you see the preacher before he even comes to preach, he's seated there and he's dozing. And I'm like, is there a power in this place? <laughs> if they're uncaring, the power is dozing already. Power nap. So I was that kind of a Christian. I was skeptical, which is, which is a good thing. I think it's good to be skeptical, especially being skeptical is this, that once you get the facts, you change your persuasion. You get what I mean? Uh, th th that's a good place to be. And that is what I was like, God, I'm not settling for less. If you're real, if this Bible says, if it means what it says, then I'm ready for this. And so it is very satisfying many times when I, when I stand, when, you know, when I hear God and see how he ministers to people. This time when we were in Seattle, there is a gentleman that I was praying for. But just as we are driving from the, past, the first Kesha and we are going to the next Kesha, God just spoke to me. There is a gentleman in that service. He was a truck driver. He has a problem with his leg. So when we got there, I forgot. You see, as I start preaching, God reminds me. So I'm like, who is here? You're a truck driver or you used to drive a truck? come around to pray for you and they come and I ask him what is wrong with your leg and he tells me many years ago this and this and this and it feels nice I'm like even the people who are listening to me they're like wow God is real Though, if they've never had they're like I want such a relationship that is relationship like how could he know about this man's leg how could he? it was my first time in Siah I don't know this man and that is so important for us as children of God and it is not limited to certain people it is not for a few chosen. Just like your parents in the house. Do you think that they chose some of your siblings to be hearing their voice? Oh, my voice is just for the firstborn. Because that's what it would mean. Like God has a, a certain people. He has all these children and there are those he does not want to hear him. And just the firstborns. Dr. Engineer Apostle. Hmm? That they're the only ones that should hear him. It is not that. And there are some very simple truths about hearing the voice of God. I'm going to explain this. I told you today is just going to be the introduction of, do you copy? 
Roger that. Three things that we should know about the voice of God or hearing the voice of God. It is innate for you as a child of God. Naturally, you hear the voice. It is innate. It is not something you acquire at one time. That impartation, you received impartation to hear the voice of God. No. You see, impartation can make it clearer. Impartation can help you in your hearing God's voice. But it is innate for every child of God. I know you may wonder how. It is just like human beings. It is innate for children to hear their mom's voice. They are born that way because they are human beings. So they are born. And that is why if a child, when a child's vitals are being checked, a child is two years and you're like, they've never talked. You know, the doctor will try to do this and see if they are responding. Why? Because it is the norm. It's innate. They are expected to respond to those sounds that they hear. It is that. So for you as a child of God, born of God, God is your father. You're born with that nature to hear him. You're born with that nature to hear him. And that is why he says, my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. They hear my voice. He did not say, my sheep will one day start hearing my voice. He said, they know. So as long as you are born of God, you're the sheep of his flock. You hear his voice because you are born of him. You hear his voice. Dogs hear dogs. Why? Because they are born of dogs. <laughs> Even a, a goat, when, when it gives birth, and those kids are just born. They can call for the mother, and the mother will hear. It is innate. You know, you can't say, This goat, this is its first time being a mother, so it may not really know. No. The moment it hears, it knows that's my kid, and it will run to the kid. You get what I mean? So it is natural for you, spiritually natural for you, to hear the voice of God because you are his offspring. You are his offspring. We are God's children. He says in John chapter 1, verse 12, he says he came to his own and his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, he gave the power to become sons and daughters of God, even to them that believe in his name. You believe in his name? Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? He has given you the right to be a child of God, to be a son of God, to be a daughter of God. And if you're a son and a daughter, you know the voice. There is no time, especially growing up, like right now, I can't be in my dad's house and somebody else calls and I think, Dad, was that you? Unless the, it's very far, I really know his voice. I know his voice. Hallelujah. And number two. It can be learned. And some of you are like, wait, you said it's in net. How do you mean it can be learned? The best example I can give for that is Samuel and Ellie. And I always make a point to correct the Americans. The name is Eli, not Eli. Hallelujah. 
If you're an American and you're watching, feel corrected. You can say it right from today. It's early. It's not Eli. Hallelujah. You can talk to the Hebrew people. Samuel had the voice of God, so he could hear the voice of God. But Eli had to teach him that that is the voice of God. That that is the voice of God. Children are born innately, innate, hearing the voice of people, human beings, it's innate. But you know, they are taught. They learn that when mama says this, it means this. When mama says this, it means it's time for bed, it's time for a bath. When mama sings like this, it's time to sleep. They learn. So you learn to hear. You can hear the voice, but you learn to hear. Samuel could hear the voice, but he had to learn to hear. And we see that later he becomes a prophet, meaning he had learned to hear. Because at first he's running to Eli and he's like, did you call me Duke and tell me, next time you say, yes, Lord, here I am, you know. So it can be learned. It's innate, but it can be learned. And what many children of God have not done is that. It is learning to hear, but they can hear. By the mere fact that they got born again, it means they've had God already. And once in a while, maybe they stumble on hearing Him. But they can be taught and they can learn how to hear God. And as we go on, we realize that that is also done by the Word of God. The Word of God helps us so much to learn how to hear the voice of God. The Word of God helps us. And the third one is, we mature our hearing of the voice. It is innate, we can learn, and we mature. Man, that should be exciting for anyone who is here and wondering, how do people hear God? Like, it is a very crazy thing. This is very encouraging. Getting to know this was very encouraging for me as a person. Like, wow, it is that simple. I can learn. Some say, I, I can't really say that I've ever had God speak in my life. You can learn and you can mature in it. There is great hope. And that is God's desire for all of us. That is why he's made it that way. That is desire for us. Now maturing, what would that mean? If we learn, then we mature. Babies will say, I want, I want a candy. You know, say, Mama, can I have a candy? And say, of course, but not today, tomorrow morning. And they'll throw a tantrum. Why? They are immature. Unfortunately, the adults also do that. But, is it is maturity to know that when you ask, you don't expect one answer. You're asking. You know what I mean? If you're asking for permission, it means that you already you're already okay with the fact that it may not be granted. That is maturity. Um, can I talk to you? I say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in a hurry. That pastor is proud. He does not do. He throw your hands in. I wish they would just fall off. But you know, you, you just, you, you know, you, you, you thought that pastor must just say yes to your every request. <laughs> 
<laughs> pastor. <laughs> pastor has a lot to go through. But as you mature, you know what to say, you know how to say. Children hear their parents say things, but at times, you know, I remember like, you know, it's very good to, to see a little child growing. You know, you, I remember first showing a baby, bring me that bottle, you know, and it is here that she's looking, you know. So she, she doesn't know pointing, like as in somebody that needs to learn pointing, that you're pointing at something. Hey, baby, bring. And she comes crawling. You know, you're like, go to the, go over there. She comes crawling, crawling, and she touches the finger. Like, work done equals zero. <laughs> so they can hear your voice. They can hear your communication, but they need to mature in that communication. So as believers, we may hear the voice of God, but we may just go to the finger. You know, you hear believers say, God told me that I should go to Trukana. I need to pray about it. And you know, you're like, to who? <laughs> you know. <laughs> who are you going to pray? Who are you going to pray to? If, if he's already told you. So you realize that there is maturing <laughs> that, that needs to be done. There is growth that needs to be done and we see that all over you see peter comes and peter says thou art the messiah son of the living god and he's just like wow flesh and blood have not revealed that to you and peter was like hey guys i'm a prophet i think I, I think what he's telling the rest of you is that i hear from god then now jesus starts talking about his crucifixion and what and these guys are like what did he say and peter is like you remember um, the prophet. <laughs> so let, let me go speak to him about what I hear from God. And Peter goes and he gives his counsel. And after giving his counsel, Jesus says, Get thee behind me, Satan. And he goes back to the crowd and is like, I told him. <laughs> and he leaves it at that. <laughs> you know, Peter just had God and now he's hearing the devil. He had not yet matured. We mature. So in that moment, if you just found that he had just heard the devil, you would think he doesn't hear God. But he was still maturing. He was not yet mature. And you see, you see that. You see a few times where Peter stumbles on that. So we can mature. And as many times we realize that we miss it, especially when we are beginning, because we are maturing. You really feel like you think this is what God said. Then you realize it was totally wrong. But it is because you are maturing. And that gives us hope also. If you ever thought you've had God and you missed it, there is hope. Because you can mature. It is not a one-time thing. We keep growing. Just like I'm saying, young children, communication is passing on of understanding, not just information. And even up to today with our parents, we are still maturing. There are things you listen to your dad and your mom, even at this age, and you figure out this is actually what they meant. Like there is an understanding that comes that is beyond, you know, especially as they grow old, you start feeling like they are rigid. You know, you want to force them. No, this is the house you should get. No, no, we like this place. No, this is you change this car. No, this one still works. This car is good. We anointed it. Bishop anointed it in 1976. You know, you know. And 
a lot of back and forth, you know. But after some time, you know, you start realizing, okay, this is why they seem stuck to that. So understanding is still coming. You're still maturing. So just like a child, uh, there are many things that, you know, uh, I, I like when dealing with Ada, you know, I remember the first time they're like, Ada, if you touch that kettle, that kettle is hot, it's boiling water. If you touch it, I'll chopper you. We'll get kiboko. And she's like, why? <laughs> you, you get what I mean? Like, why? Why shouldn't I touch it? Why should I get kiboko for touching it? I'm touching the fridge. I'm touching, yeah, I'm touching everything. Why should I? They say, it is hot. So, why? Like, it is hot. Why shouldn't I touch it? Because it's hot. So, it's because you have matured, to you, hot means dangerous. But you see, they are a child. Hot is a, another English word. It's, it, what does it mean? It's until one day, when they touched, got converted, baptized. <laughs> now they preach the message. Yeah. Even when she sees me ironing clothes, she tells me, Baba, be careful, be careful. <laughs> Baptized a preacher of the message of hotness, heat. <laughs> so these are things that you have matured in that it is even subconscious. You don't even think about it. You don't, need to, you don't even rationalize on why shouldn't we touch hot things. You don't. You matured in it. You know, you even go to somebody's house and you start, maybe they tell you to cook. You don't test if hot in their place means different from your place. You know, you, you, you don't get there and like, maybe hot in this house may be different. What if I, I try to put my hand in the fire? No, you don't. You, you, are just, you don't think about it. You don't think I'm in a new place, so hot may be different. You, you don't think that way. But you see, for a child, you may find such... A child will see a new iron that you didn't have in the house, and they'll want to figure out if it is, it is hot like the other one. <laughs> For you as a mature person, it does not matter the brand. Even the worst brand of an iron, you don't touch it when it is on. <laughs> Especially that brand. Yes, you don't. You know that it is hot. You have matured. We mature in hearing the voice of God. We mature, we get to a place where we're like, okay, this is what it means. This, we, we, we start getting understanding, not just the voice. That is maturity. A child can hear the voice, but many times not the understanding. Many parents wait to hear who the child will say first, Baba or Mama, you know, you really try. And you know, you keep saying those words, but they don't make sense. Isn't the child hearing? The child is hearing, but they are not mature. But they are hearing because it's innate for them to hear your voice. So they are hearing and they are learning. So when you say you see them turn, so they are learning. But they are not mature. They don't know what you mean. They don't know what you're saying. We also mature. And you, 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 as we go on, we realize that even the men of old, the prophets of old, we're going to realize that they also grew and matured. When we read the Bible, many times we think that God related with these people in a very special way compared to the way he relates with us. But it is because in the Bible we are given the highlights of their life. 
And you see, we normally stick to that. It is just like when we are reading about successful people. Right now, if somebody stands here and they're like, I want to talk about Bill Gates. Definitely, you're expecting the good part of the story. If he says, you know, Bill Gates did not finish school, he did not, you know the story is not ending there. You get what I mean? Yeah, but that is a very short time to summarize his life. Maybe the people who watched him, they saw when he failed and failed and failed and failed. But when you hear, you feel like naturally he was born to be a billionaire. You know, that's how you feel. You feel like ah, it was natural, yeah. I think actually, yeah. I think their bed sheets were money. You know, these are you, 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 you have these imaginations in, in, in your mind, yeah. Like, I don't think he's ever needed to. He knew, of course, he knew I was going to be Bill Gates. You know, Hussein Bolt. You know, you, you even hear the name Bolt. You know, in, in my high school, like the, the, the what, like the, what, slang, like for running was Bolt. Imagine that was before even Bolt was on the scene. But that's what we would say. He bolted. That's, that's, that's how we would speak if somebody took off. You would say he bolted. Then a guy comes and is Usain Bolt. Like this one was going to, he was definitely going to be, he was born that way. I'm sure he ran out of his mom's womb. You know, you, you just, you start having those weird imaginations. <laughs> yeah, you feel like the doctors chased him out of hospital. <laughs> Shika, get that mtoto. We have to register his weight. <laughs> yeah. So we mature now hearing God's voice. And there are some misconceptions that are very, they, are, they, are, they show immaturity in talking about hearing God's voice. And remember in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, let's, let's, let's read Luke 11, verse 1. This is very key. It came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he seized one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Now, this is very key. That prayer is communion with God. Prayer is not bringing your shopping list. That may be a part of it. But prayer is communion with God. Prayer is hearing God. And you speaking to him. Jesus spent a lot of time praying. Says he went up. Jesus was the son of God. Now you would wonder what was he praying for 12 hours. But Jesus comes down and says, the son does nothing except what he sees the father do. As I hear my father. You know, he talked about that. And you would wonder, when is this time? I'm sure when he spent time in prayer, he communed with God. There is a lot that he had from God. And he came and executed in his day-to-day in his -day life. So if you think about it that way, you would say that the disciples were asking him, teach us how to hear God. Because half of prayer is hearing God. Unfortunately, many of us just go with the shopping list and we walk out. Butter, bread, milk, honey, tea, meat, 
this, this, then you cross Morenda, this, this. And you walk out. And you know, God was, God was excited as you, your turn to talk. And he's a good listener. So he was listening, waiting for his turn. And he's like, Amanda. <laughs> Amanda, maybe next time. Next time you come again, you, you don't even want to follow up with a good uh, story last time. No, you just come with another one. And he's like, again? And then you're like, God never speaks to me. And God is like, you never listen to me. <laughs> you know, they were asking him, teach us how to hear God. Because it is half of prayer is hearing God. I believe that is what they were asking him. So some of the misconceptions or things that are immature for us to think as Christians about the voice of God. Number one, it is immature to think and say that God speaks all the time. What a shock. Some of you are writing it in red. Because that's what you've been told. Every church you go to, God is always speaking. It is you who is not hearing. God is always speaking. Let me tell you, he's not a robot. That you switch on and, you know, and start speaking and speaking, speaking, speaking. Even your baby monitor has a better relationship with your baby. Or with you. Because it does not speak all the time. It speaks when the baby speaks. Just think about how crazy that sounds. That this is a relationship, but somebody just speaks. Like a husband telling the wife, I'm always speaking, you know, is not hearing. As a wife, what would you tell the husband? Stop speaking. If you realize I'm not listening, stop. No, don't just keep speaking. You know, you think that God is up there just saying, Benjamin, I want you to go to East Pokot. Benjamin, I want you to do this. Benjamin. <laughs> then, 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 then the time I come, I, I, I catch him where he is. Then if I leave, he continues, Benjamin. <laughs> Isn't that how it sounds? But that is what we've been told, that God is speaking all the time. It's not biblical. Even in the Bible, when he wanted to speak to people, he called them. I want to speak to you. Why would he say I want to speak to you if he was speaking all the time? He said, go to this place. I want to speak to you. Yeah. That when he stopped Paul, it was not random. It was a real conversation. Why do you persecute me? How could Paul's encounter just find him at the right word God was saying? That in all the words he was speaking to Paul, all of a sudden, Paul just had an encounter and God was saying, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? No. God is not speaking all the time. He can speak all the time, but he's not speaking all the time. He's not deaf, but he is real. He's relational. It's not autonomy. It's not autonomous. He's not like a robot. There is no memory card in God. This is a memory card. This one is for Benjamin. <laughs> Push it in. And now he starts playing whatever, whatever he's meant to say to Benjamin. It is not that. Yeah. He even tells us, Jesus was saying, take heed how you hear. And he also said, take heed what you hear. And he tells us that it is in that taking heed or how we steward what we hear that he will speak more to us. 
If we are faithful, take heed therefore how ye hear. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given. So how do you hear? How do you value how you hear? If you hear and value what you've heard, then more shall be given to you. And whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. And you see, many times we use, we, use, we use these scriptures talking about money, talking about giving, but he was talking about the voice of God. If you have somebody, why is it that that is your girlfriend or that is your boyfriend or that is your wife and that is your... Because they took heed how they had. So now you can speak more to them. You know, they just kind of oh, you're so beautiful. You're... My mom told me last week. You know, you're not going to give more. You're not going to give more. Hallelujah. You're going to retain your, your good words for another potential candidate, for another, <laughs> another one you see on the block. And they come and you feel like they give you attention. Ah, you add aroma to the words. Yeah, you're beautifully beautiful. You know, you... <laughs> Just to make it better, not, not to be obvious like, like everyone. You know, you just, because they are listening. Now he says, take heed how you hear. As we hear God, he speaks more to us. We hear and we do. He says, he does not cast pearls to swine. You know, you came to me and asked me, Pastor, should I go to school and do this course? There is this course being offered. And I said, you go. And you come back two years after not going. I'm like, Pastor, I have this other idea of going to another school. Do what you want. <laughs> God is with you. Yeah, may the Lord be with you. God bless you. Shalom. <laughs> Why? Because my words don't matter. And so he says, take heed how you hear. It is that. You're a good listener and a doer. God will want to speak to you more. God will want to entrust you with more. And you see, his voice will become clear and clear because you steward. And we will talk about that. There is a part, if you remember the last 2020 when I was sharing about hearing the voice of God, I spoke about stewarding the voice of God. Like what have we done with what we've heard? Anybody you go to for counsel, anyone you, 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 you regard as superior to you, yeah? they will, their input into your life is so much based on what you did with the past input. It is so much based on that. You go, you want somebody to mentor you in business and what, and they told you, okay, cut on this expenditure, cut on this, cut on this. And you did nothing about it. Then you come back when you're in trouble. If they are phlegmatic like me, they'll give you some time and sympathize. And if you get a good choleric, get out of my office. You're wasting government resources. <laughs> so let, let people who are ready to... You're the one who came to me. I didn't call you for counsel. Did I call you and say I want to counsel you? No. You're the one who came. And you're not following anything. So don't come back. Go somewhere else. You get what I mean? Now God may not say that but we are the ones who will slow ourselves. God will be patient with us, but he does not cast pearls to swine. 
So as we steward his voice, as we value his voice, like he, imagine, Samuel really valued the voice of God. Because when he had, when Eli told him, when he called, when he calls this time, say, Lord, here I am. He went back and anticipated. He waited. Many times when we go to pray, we have our quiet time. Do we go expecting God to speak to us? Why should God value a quiet time that we don't value? You get what I mean? Imagine if there is somebody you always want, you, you, you call for a meeting. Like I'm giving an example. This is a lady you're pursuing. And you call, and every time you show up, they're like, hey, I didn't know you would come. I didn't know. You know, after them telling you that three times, you feel like, mm -mm, I think she's not my type. You get what I mean? You, you start getting angry. You know, what do they think? In Swahili, how are they carrying me? <laughs> they are carrying you. They are carrying you foolish, foolishly. <laughs> Isn't it? So imagine if we really valued the voice of God. When we tell people and they're like, ah, we are in a dilemma. We, don't, we, we, we are looking for a plot to buy this. This one, it's very good. But we want to pray about it. Do you pray about it really expecting to hear from God? Are you expecting to receive his guidance? No, that is taking heed how you hear. If you have that expectation, God will surely speak to me about this. I'm telling you, eventually you're going to realize that God speaks to you about almost everything you go to him. Because that's his desire. His desire is to speak to us. His desire is that we hear his voice. That is his desire. So he's not speaking all the time, but he desires to speak to us. And when we give him our attention, he will speak to us. When we incline our ear to him, we will hear his voice. Then number two, circumstances is the way he speaks. That's also another total misconception. People say that God uses circumstances to speak. Now, God will use circumstances to speak If you, <laughs> you know, you, you know that you've heard of the what the ship dance, the, the what are they called? They are called uh, what is the English word? Dopers, the dopers. If you go to Kitengela, those people who sell, you know, they say in Indomba, don don do. You know, that's a sad, sad first I was wondering what do they mean? Like, you know. But you know, if you're, you're something that is there between a sheep and what you're not, you're not very clear, then you will need circumstances. Have you ever, you know, I didn't have that childhood, but it is fun to, to talk along because many, many Africans have that story. I didn't have that story. I should say fortunately, it's not unfortunate. My parents were very, they were very good. They disciplined us the proper way. You know, when I go to school and I would hear people say, my dad uses a wire, my dad uses a belt, my mom throws something at you. You know, I felt left out. <laughs> so I would feel like I need to also make up a story. I said, my dad has a cable, but no. It was never that way. Uh, our parents were very, they were thorough. They, they called us, they explained to you why they are going to cane you, and they told you, lie down, then they would cane you. Yeah, it was that. Yeah. <laughs> it was that. So now you can imagine the culture shock when I get to school and realize that parents throw things at children. Parents, I was like, what? That's what they do. Otherwise, it was, it was, it was that. There's, there's, we even knew where the stick was kept. Actually, you would be sent to go bring it. 
He'll be told, go bring that stick. So it was, it was I think my parents, I, 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 you know, one day, one day I should have them here and just interview them on parenting. But some of the things I hear, I feel like they were ahead of their generation. I feel like they were ahead of their generation. They, they, you know, even, even meeting my wife, my wife immediately told me, your parents are different. Like she could tell the very first time. The first thing she told me is that they are still in love. Because she would see that. Like my parents will sit in a room alone and laugh. You're just hearing them laugh. They talk. They, you know, you'll not see. My dad will still go to the kitchen and try to help my mom to cut onions as she cooks. Because he, he wants to be where she is. And when you see when we were young, growing up, we were the only people like in our community. Men of their age never cooked. But our dad used to cook. And you see, we, at that time, we looked at it as a thing that was embarrassing. Like people would laugh, ah, this one's their dad cooks. And it's <laughs> some like, you know, I was giving a speech when my brother, on my brother's wedding, and I was just thanking my dad. Thank you for showing us that example. Because today, you see, when I do such things, I saw them early from that. They talked to us as children. Even schools where we went, we discussed. You know, many say that, no, that dad would just say, this is the school you're going. But, you know, we would discuss. It's not that they would, they, they, they would always agree. Definitely we are children. But they would tell us, why don't you want that school? Why don't you want to go back? And we would talk. I remember there was a time I didn't want to go back to that school. I told them I would rather drop out of school, but I don't want to go to that school. And my dad sat me down. He had, with me, set a part-time with me. Today in the evening we are going to talk. And he really asked me, what's going on in that school? Why don't you want to go back? And he had to talk to me. So I appreciate that they really brought us up very well. And so we, we never had that. And they would read for us the scriptures, spare the rod, spare the So because, you know, they, they'll tell you, we love you. That is why we are spanking you. The Bible says a little folly, like a, like a, a spanking will drive out that folly. So they're like, there's folly that is there. And spanking will drive it out. Yeah, and they'll tell you that. And you would appreciate and they would still love even after they... And you see, these things have marked me even now when parenting, that I'm a parent. Like I know not to, to discipline my child out of anger. You know, she's being this and, and... And that's why we normally tell parents, discipline is by spanking. It's not by pinching. It's not by what. And so you see, when we're in the car, because for us, we move with her cane. So when we're in the car... <laughs> yes, we do. Some of you have been around us, you've seen. You've seen, we have, we have our, our kamwiko. Yeah, labeled, it's for our baby. So we have it. Some, so sometimes it's in the bag. She's misbehaving and, and it's far. So you see, you knowing I, do, I can't pinch her, I can't slap her, gives you time to be objective and discipline and not punish. Because you know you're going to think, I have to stop that car, get that stick, I have to get her out of the supermarket. Disciplining them is not to show other people that you discipline. Because some parents, and you hear some parents say, Nikam Tandika, you know, they try to show other people as if it's for, the, it's for other people. It's not for other people. It is for your discipline is with love. Punishment is out of anger, rage. She has spoiled my shoe. She's put my phone in the water. So, you know, you, you, you take your rage on. You're not disciplining. And you see, you, you, you can't correct or reprimand for something you've never talked about. That should be a shock to parents. Yeah. If your child throws your phone in, in water and you've never talked about it, you've never, you have no right to cane them. As expensive as your phone was. 
you're not correcting you're just you're, you're just releasing your anger yeah they don't know that phones are not meant to be put in water no one told them so if you've never talked about it as painful as it is bite your teeth gnash them go to the bedroom say god help me <laughs> and come back and sit them down and tell them i'm not happy and they'll say why are you not happy you threw my phone in what it is spoiled we don't put phones in water the next time you throw a phone in water or if i see you touching people's phones and i'll spank you now you see that next time you have a right to spank because you have talked about it so some of these things you know hearing them and seeing how our parents brought us up and people thought they were spoiling us i appreciate now when i'm parenting my daughter like i appreciate that also because it helps it helps and it, it helps children also to grow up confident their children who can't discuss anything with their parents because it was that there's no discussion so even out there they are not confident because you know you think it's just a thing of the house they're out there at work and they can't express themselves because in the house theirs was to just say yes and to sleep and you know that is all they were to do so you find out there where now they need to express themselves and they can't because that was was destroyed way back when they were young that is a very it's a very wrong thing so a parent when parents normally threw things at children that was a circumstance being thrown at a child <laughs> yeah all i was trying to explain is that god doesn't use circumstance that was a circumstance why because maybe this child is not a child who listens you get what i mean the parent has said come back into the house come back into the house it's raining or oh, it's cold come back into the house and the child is not listening and the parent just got whatever she had and she threw and now the child learned out of circumstance like my mom is circumstance why should god wait for circumstance yet he can talk to us Oh, I failed school and yeah because I failed I'm sure God wanted me to fail because I would not have been in the ministry if I had not failed you wasted money that money should have been used for the gospel yeah. <laughs> hallelujah you wasted money failing just for God to speak to you that you had to fail for God could speak to you without failing yeah. hallelujah he spoke to Samuel before he ever failed <laughs> so it is not true that God always uses circumstances and because of that a lie also comes that if it is tough then good if, if it is of God then it should be working smoothly how was the cross working for Jesus how was the prison working for Paul how was the pit working for Joseph you get what I mean sometimes you like if it is difficult then it is not God no and you see it makes wimpy christians not resilient they go send an application and they say no 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 we are not taking applications and they go back home if it is god's will they would have accepted that eh, that's not how this world is you fight go there you have an upper hand believe in your faith i'm taking it back i'm going to rewrite and take back i'm going to keep knocking at that door until so if it is god's will it will happen if it is not god's will it will not happen you know we would not be doing any of the things that we are doing you get what i mean going to east pocot you know what is has been happening in east pocot i told even this time the time that we were coming there there is a man that was shot at 
there is curfew right now. They have curfew up to like the next six months, they have curfew. Freddy is just from there. Yeah, last week he was coming back from there. And they had to go get permission from police and what to move past curfew. Curfew is at six. Because of the insecurity, not COVID. So imagine if, say, if it is God's will, it, there would be no curfew. When will those people be reached with the gospel? So just that God has spoken to you does not mean it's going to be easy. Otherwise, you would need no grace. You would need no anointing you, if it was just going to be easy. Look at the people he spoke to in the Bible. Look at Jesus, Jesus came on earth knowing he was coming to die. But you see him in the garden of Gethsemane. Saying, Father, if possible, let this cup pass away from me. It was not easy just because it was God's will. And he said, not as I will, but your will. In other words, this difficult one was what was his will. It was what was God's will. So some of the challenges that we go through, it is just because we are not fighters. Faith without works is dead. Sometimes there has to be a fight to your... Yes, a real fight of faith. If you really believe this, you pursue it. And I've seen that with some of you. I've seen people here who have been resilient with certain things and they have got them. But like this business is failing. They go back to the prayer room. Father, this business must work. This, and you know, they just try again. Let me try. Let me get new customers. Let me rebrand. Let me do this. Let me do this. And eventually it comes up and we think it was overnight success. Overnight success takes seven years or 14 Hallelujah. The night is normally long. So don't just quit because of a circumstance that you say God is talking to me in this circumstance. Not necessarily. And you see, that is why it should be very key to hear his voice. Because the opposite is also true. Sometimes the circumstances may be tough because you're pushing on something that you're not meant to push for. But you see, how are you going to know unless you can hear his voice? You will leave what you're meant to continue pursuing and be resilient about, or you will push for something that you're not meant to push for because you can't hear him or you're not hearing his voice. So it is very key to hear his voice. And as we see in the Bible, he led people by his voice. Circumstances sometimes help people to go back to God's voice, but that was not God's ideal. It was not his first. It was not his first. There are many things that we get to do because things didn't work out. And then we think that God made them not work out so no we failed because we didn't listen to him in the first place then now because of the failure we are humble enough to come back and now do what he had told us so it seems like the failure was to make us listen no 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 no. it was not that so that's a misconception also then the last misconception is that the audible voice is the most powerful way god speaks to us that the audible voice, and someone says, God spoke to me in an audible voice, you know, that that means now we should all listen. This is serious now. Hey, he spoke to me in an audible voice. Now this is serious. That is a lie. Look at your neighbor if they are shocked. How many of us have thought that way? That when someone says, I hear the audible voice of God, it means they are, yes, yeah, at least Dr. Is, Dr. Is, he has the voice of God enough to admit most of us are, <laughs> most of us are still just there. 
Yeah, but that's what I also thought growing up. When someone says, I heard God speak to me. I heard an audible voice in my room. I'm like, wow. That must be so real. In my entire life, I've heard the audible voice of God only three times. I know people who have never heard it and they're doing greater things than those who have heard it. And when you look in the Bible, you're going to see that the audible voice mainly came to non-believers, to people who are not of God, or to those who are stubborn. For Paul, we hear once, when he was going, when he was persecuting, that's when, soul, soul, why thou persecutest me? That's the only time we hear him hearing the audible voice of God. You'd think that as he matured, it would have become more. <laughs> that was the only time. You know? Samuel, you hear when he doesn't even know how to hear God, that's when he hears. Like, Eli, are you the one who called me? Like, oh, the next time you hear, you, you say, Lord. That's the only time we hear Samuel hearing the audible voice of God. Jesus, not even once do we hear him hearing the audible voice of God. The times the audible voice of God spoke in the presence of Jesus was for the non-believers. This is my son, hear ye him. This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. It was not for Jesus. We never hear. And Jesus, and then God spoke to Jesus with an audible voice, not even once. So if Jesus was the prime example, then the audible voice should have been every day. We hear him go to the tomb of Lazarus and he's, he's praying. He says, Father, I know that you have already heard me, but for the sake of these. Yeah. He was thanking God. that he's already, You know, you're even wondering, when, when did you pray? When did God hear you? And he says, for the sake of these. So why does he speak to them in an audible voice? Because they are carnal. See, when you're carnal, what is carnal is what is more real. Yeah? So for human beings, audible is real. Yeah. So because you can't yet get into the spiritual frequency, it comes to you into what you think is real. You get what I mean? It is just I was hearing about when M-Pesa was being introduced, how the challenge was to convince people that you have money. Like old, but like, no, man, I want my, in our phones, what if it disappears? Like it's, you know, they could not just believe that money is going to be, why? Because they were used to the realm of notes and coins. That is what is real. That is real. So this realm was so new to them. E-money, that was so new. That was so new. Like they couldn't, they can't even understand how that can work. And I just walk around without money. All my 100,000, you put it in a phone. Where? Quite serious, man. Quite serious. Huh? So that's why we think that the audible voice is more real. In the spiritual realm, it is not that. In the spiritual realm, the voice of God is more real. And I've talked about this when he talks in Ephesians chapter 3. He's telling us about Paul was praying for the church in Ephesus and saying that, the, that they may get to know the love of God which passes knowledge and, and that Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith. And I've thought about that and said, this Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith is a place where 
you don't relate with God just based on the outside that you see. Even spiritual experiences, many spiritual experiences are carnal. Now, carnal is not evil, but there are spiritual experiences that appeal more to our carnal nature. And many times it is a beginning point, just like I have said with the audible voice. Many times God will speak in audible voice to people who are not yet believers. It is a beginning point, but God does not want us to stay there. And that is what Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus. That is the problem we saw in the church in Corinth. They stuck there. Paul said, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence of speech. I did not come with words of enticing words of human wisdom. But I came to you in demonstration of power and the spirit that your faith should not be in human wisdom, but in the power of God. That is what he tells them. Yet in chapter 3 of the same book, he tells them, when I came to you, I could not speak unto you as to mature, because up to now, you're babes. You're carnal. So the very people he came to in demonstration of power, he says they are babes. Then when you go back to one where he's saying that I did not come to you with eloquence of speech, when you go down to verse 6, yeah, verse 6, he says, but when we are come to them that are perfect, we speak wisdom. We speak a higher wisdom. The Amplifier says we speak, a, we impart. What, let, let's read it in Amplified. Yet when we are among the full-grown, spiritually mature Christians who are ripe in understanding, we do impart a higher wisdom than knowledge of the divine plan previously hidden. We do impart a higher... In other words, I've come to you and I don't want your faith established in human wisdom. So I don't just want to come and convince you to be Christians by an argument. Otherwise, your faith will be in philosophy and not in the power of God. And I've always said, I've seen that. You know, if somebody comes and I just prove to them that it's true, Muhammad did not resurrect, Jesus resurrected. Muhammad was like this, Jesus was like this. They will believe because of all the facts. But if they meet a Buddhist, they will unbelieve. Because they'll tell you, Buddha was here before Jesus came. Look at some of these things that Jesus is saying. These things Buddha had already said. Jesus was a follower of Buddha. You see, they will be unconvinced, isn't it? Yeah. You, you know, they will go and read Socrates, Aristotle. They will go and read many of these philosophers who wrote things before Jesus came, and those things were, some of them even seem more powerful. So they will be unconvinced. So that's what Paul is saying. I don't want your faith to be established in human wisdom, in reasoning. So I came in demonstration of power. What is demonstration of power? Once you come, you see, like, like I'm saying, like, you saw the testimony of the gentleman from Bungoma who got healed of the tonsils. You get what I mean? Uh, he was booked for an operation. An operation he had been done before, and he was booked for another one. And Jesus literally did the surgery, and he spat those tonsils out. You get what I mean? And he was healed from that day, I think up to tomorrow, isn't it? Yes, doctor. Yes, he was healed. And that man said, I never believed in miracles up to that time. Do you think he had never had an argument on miracles? But this was demonstration of power, that his faith may be established in the power of God and not in human wisdom. Now you can't unconvince that man that God does not do miracles. The lame man that walked in Kisumu, the one that had crutches, is now back to work. You cannot unconvince that man that Jesus does. So that part is important. Now what Paul is saying, that's how he came to the Corinthians and many of them believed in God. But the problem is that they stayed there. If they didn't see that miracle, they can't believe in God. 
If they didn't see the outside, they can't believe in God. If the power of God didn't come upon them and they shake, they scream, or they, they fall, they, they only know God as long as it appeals to their physical senses. What they see, what they hear, what they taste, what they touch. That's the only way. Now Paul is praying for the Ephesians and saying that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And that is what we see about Job. You see how Job says he works on the right, but I cannot see him. On the left, I cannot see him. And he says, but my steps have not left his statutes, his steps. When he has tried me, I'll come out as gold. His word have esteemed grand and my necessary food. In other words, when Job could not hear the voice or audible voice of God, when Job didn't have a vision, when Job did not have a dream from God, he still believed and trusted in God. God was still more real to him than anything. So many immature Christians, it is that, they love God until they default on that rent. That is when they're like, where was that God? So you see, their faith was still only in the power. Christ was not yet in their hearts. Now, hearing the voice of God, the audible, is in that realm where it still applies to your senses and not. But as you grow, you listen to Paul. Listen to how Paul says. Paul will even say, I perceive. Because as we go on, we are going to realize that God, the, 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 the common way, the primary way that God speaks to us, we hear his voice, is by the inward witness. And once you start valuing it, imagine it becomes more real than the audible voice. When you get in tune with the spirit world, the spirit world becomes more real than the natural world. And you see, sometimes we're like, Pastor, how did you know? How did you hear that so-and-so was sick? How did you? Sometimes I can't even explain. Because sometimes it is not in the natural will, in the natural realm. But you just know, you know. You've got a word of knowledge, you just know. You're just walking and you just look at somebody and you just know that their mom is sick. So you see, you can't explain the process of how you got that knowledge. But you see, you go and talk to them and tell them, your mom is suffering from this and this. I want us to pray for her. And it is so true and so accurate. Why? Because your mind has been renewed and the spiritual has become more real than the carnal. It has become more real than the physical. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's a misconception. The audible voice is not the highest way that God speaks to us. You'll hear many testimonies from Turkey, from Saudi Arabia, from Syria. You hear many of those guys had. Have you had many of these Muslim conversions from that world? They had the audible voice of God. Why? There is no one preaching to them. There is a man, I think he used to work in Mecca. There's a, a testimony, I think, I don't remember the video. Was it? Not Holy Ghost. There's a video that trained, but he, the hand of Jesus touched him. And that hair, I think it's on his chest, that hair turned white up to now. Like he would shave that hair, but when that hair grows back, there's a print, and it is white up to today. That's how he got born again. He used to work there. But Jesus touched him, and Jesus spoke to him. Now, do you see such encounters? They make that man, because this man is in a... He's been indoctrinated with the Muslim faith. You get what I mean? If you are a Christian, you're going to put on a very good argument. And you see, surprisingly, many Christians are shallow. You know how many Christians thrive? It's because we are talking among his fellow Christians. You're brought to people with a different persuasion. That's when you, you start questioning some of the things you believed. Yeah, because you're like, what? You mean it's not that? You know, I remember one thing that made me feel like I should not be a shallow Christian and started listening to a lot of apologetics and all that. You know, I, I was ministering to Mormons. Mormons came. 
Letter day saints, elder. You know, they have those badges of elder what? Their white uniform. Very beautiful. They came out. So they preached. They preached from King James. But they preached so well. I'm like, what's wrong with these guys? There's nothing wrong. There is actually nothing wrong. They just quoted the very verses I knew. They said, we will come back. The then they came back the next day. Now they start taking me through the 13 pillars, the 13 what? The, the, the ones they have of their faith. And then they introduced me to the book of Mormon. So now I felt like, now I can't get them. Why do you have an extra book? The Bible says, you know, I showed them, the Bible says in Revelations, if cast, a cast be the man who adds to this book or subtracts, if you add or you subtract to this book. So I'm like, this is the book we have. Calmly. They don't argue. They don't, they don't fight. They are very cool people. Calmly they open for me in the Old Testament. Pentateuch. Moses speaking. If any man adds to this book, they said, you see the first time it was said? The Torah only had five books. So we should say, Matthew added on. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> Why? Because of being shallow. You get what I mean? Yeah. So it's very good for you as a child of God to be deep. Get to know the word of God. Get to know what you believe. Why do you believe in baptism? Why do you believe Holy Communion? Why do you believe in speaking in tongues? Why do you believe in healing? Why do you believe in these miracles? It is so important. So you see, such a Muslim, some of these Muslims like him, these are guys who have read the Bible, read the Quran, they are, and that's why many of them don't want to get born again, you know? Because they feel like if this thing was serious, we would take it more serious. But we come to church and you convince people, you see, you don't need to learn to memorize verses. God does not demand it from you. And for them, they are being caned for not pronouncing well. They memorize, but you, you know, you not pronouncing well that particular surah and that whatever, ayah and surah, what? You know, you, you speak, and they know it's not, Arabic is not your first language, but they are caning you for not saying it right. So they come here where, for us, we treat our book that it's not that serious. They're like, what? And you, you, you really think you serve God? So there should be a seriousness to it. So such a guy had this encounter. That encounter, one experience is worth a thousand summons. And that is why as we go to Ignite Kenya, we, you know, we want the power of God to fall on people. But we normally have a pastor's breakfast at the end and we tell pastors, just that the power of God has fallen upon these people. They are prophesying, they are speaking in tongues, they are seeing all these things. It does not mean they are spiritually mature. You need to teach them the word. They will stay at this. They will think that the manifestations vindicate them. They will think that manifestations mean I'm mature. Seeing miracles means I'm mature. It does not. You get what I mean? So many times we can be so spiritual and have all these experiences, yet we are so carnal. The church is telling that they are carnal. Is the church among the churches that Paul was overseeing. It is the church in Corinth that had the greatest manifestations of the Holy Spirit. They're the ones he speaks to correcting on how they should use tongues, prophecy, and all. They're the ones. They were not lacking when it came to spiritual gifts. Yet they're the ones he calls carnal. You get what I mean? So you can be hearing, especially now for you, hearing the audible voice every morning. My friend, <laughs> there is a problem. Yeah? There is a problem. If I'm here, you see, if, let me say, if we've employed you as staff for RATC, 
one of the things, qualifications definitely for you to be employed as staff for us is literacy. At least you should know to read and write English. You get what I mean? But if every day I come, I have now to go back to Swahili for you. Go back to this. Oh, pastor is so real to me. He's so loving. Like whenever I'm trying to explain something in English, you don't understand. I'm like, okay, now, namanishaivi. <laughs> for a whole weekend, what? There is a problem. You should come to the English realm. So if God is just speaking to you audibly, you should come to the spiritual realm. That should change. Praise the Lord. Because that cannot be taken away. If Christ dwells in your heart by faith, like you know beyond reasonable doubt. Though I've told you that the greatest revelation that ever happened to me is that God is good. His goodness. That's the greatest revelation. Nothing can erase that. I have it in my heart. It is not dependent on what God gave me. I didn't get it because God had given me money, a house, a what. I got it. Meditated on the word, got it, and eventually I just felt God is good. Nothing will ever happen that will make me question God's goodness. And I'm not trying to be spiritual by not questioning God's goodness. No. I just know He is a good God. There is no bad in Him. There is no malice in Him. He is a good God. That dwells in me by faith. I believe that is what dwelt in Paul and Peter. That Paul can be in prison and write in Philippians 4.19, Rejoice, and again I say rejoice. That in prison is encouraging those who are not in prison. Where is he getting this joy? He's in prison and he's telling Timothy, I have fought a fight. I've run the race. A crown awaits me. In prison. You know, I normally think about Paul, like today as a preacher, what would you think? You'd think of when you're done, you stand at KCC, call NTV, call CNN, call KTN, tell them, I told you. I've finished the rest. Look at the churches I've built. Look at the cars I've driven. Look at the lives I've impacted. Now it's time to check out. Paul is deep in prison. He's not giving a public announcement. He's just writing to his son, telling him, and he feels fulfilled. You'd think that as a man of God, fulfillment is when you retire in Rwanda. Paul is in prison. And he's saying, I've finished. He was dwelling in his heart by faith. That has been a limitation also when it comes to hearing the voice of God. Because many times we are expecting the audible. We think that's how it should come. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Have we been blessed? The shepherd will only speak a language that sheep understand. If a goat joined the flock, he wouldn't understand anything. The shepherd, he speaks the language. His language is customized for the sheep. If a goat comes among us, the sheep, it will be wondering what is happening because it cannot understand that language. With our heads bowed, hearing the voice of God, like we've said, is just for his sheep. You can become part of his flock today. All this that I have shared, as good as it may sound, as nice as it sounds, it is not as important if you're not part of his sheepfold. And like we have read in verse 16, he said, Other sheep I have, and they are not part of this flock. 
they must gather, that they must hear my voice also. You may be here, and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never. You know that if Jesus returned today, you're not sure if you would go to heaven with him. Or you've even been going to church, and people around you think you are Christian. They think you're born again. But you've just gone to church. Maybe you grew up in a Christian family like I did. I want to give you an opportunity today to receive him as your Lord and Savior because that is the beginning. Then you will be part of his sheepfold and every day you can hear him. And you may say, I'm a sinner. I'm worried. You don't know. You don't know what I have done, Pastor. Jesus came and died on that cross and he shed his blood. And like the old writer said, that there is a fountain flowing from the veins of Emmanuel that is filled with his blood. And this blood can wash away every stain of sin, every guilt stain once sin has applied in it. That that blood is still powerful. There is no sin too bad enough to be washed away. There is no one who is too lost. He paid the price. And you may still say, I may need to prepare myself I need some time. You can never prepare yourself. He prepared himself for you. He came and paid the price. He tells us in Romans 5, 8, he made him sin become sin for us. No, no, no. He says, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. That he did not wait for us to be good. If we could prepare ourselves, if we could get ready, he would not have come from heaven. He would not have come to die. He came to die because we could not. Paul tells us in Romans, he says, when we were without strength, in other words, we didn't have any strength to make ourselves better. We didn't have any strength to save ourselves. Christ came in due time. He came and died for the ungodly. He came to redeem us. He came for you. So if you're here and you say, I want to receive that Jesus today. I want to experience a relationship with him. I want you to raise that hand where you are and I'll pray with you. Don't listen to any lie of the devil. Don't listen to any discouragement. Be bold and put up that hand. And you will start a new walk with him. A walk where you have the privilege to hear his voice because you are part of his sheepfold. You've never received him as your Lord and Savior. I want to raise that hand. And if you're watching from home, or wherever you're driving, wherever you're watching from, write to us. Tell us that you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to pray with you. And we would want to follow you up. We share some materials with you. Now with your hand up, I want to take a step of boldness and get up on your feet. Whoever has raised their hands, get up on your feet. I want all of us to stand up on our feet. I want us to repeat this prayer with them. And for those watching, I want to also repeat this prayer. I want to repeat this prayer with them. I want you to repeat it loudly, yeah, boldly, and with faith. This is a defining moment. You're never going to stay the same. And say, Lord Jesus, 
thank you for coming to me. Thank you for dying for me on that cross. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I have not allowed you to lead me. And for that I'm sorry. I'm so glad that I have hope. Because you died in my place. You took my place. You paid a price I could not pay. Jesus, come into my life. Be Lord of my life. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your righteousness. From today, I want to follow you. All the days of my life, I say bye-bye to the world. I say bye-bye to my old life. I take on this new life to be counted in your sheepfold to be able to hear your voice every day thank you Jesus thank you for the blood thank you for washing me clean from today I announce to the whole world and to the devil that I'm a child of God. I am born again. I am new. I am clean. Devil, you have no right over my life. I belong to God. I'm a child of God. I am loved. I am forgiven. I am favored. I'm special to God. I belong to Him. He loves me. He loves me. I'm royalty. He gives me dignity. I'm special to Him. I am forgiven. No more guilt. No more condemnation. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for calling me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.